Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. And as always, I'm joined by my loyal hand, Jack Allison. How's it going? Good, good, Leslie. I'm I'm glad to be here. And uh, as always, you know, I I, I serve um, in service of the throne. Folks, Thrones is back, y'all. Thrones is back. For real is back. I didn't think it would co- come back with this much bluster this much fury this much dragon fire jack like 11 million 11 million people watched it yeah that is wild i was shocked you know i i kind of you know well we'll get into what we thought of the show but i i really did kind of feel like this might have been a dud and that no one was going to watch it and that the time had passed but it seems america is ready to have something to talk about the uh, around the water cooler again that is not just fucking Donald Trump. I think people are ready now to once again a democrat is president, Game of Thrones is on television again. It's time to go back. And you not to get on a tangent, but this does fit into with all of our avatar theories. I mean, it's straight. It like oh, it's yeah. a straight line between like people say. People say, "Oh, nobody talks about Game of Thrones anymore. No one cares about Game of Thrones. Moment mm-hmm. has passed. It comes back because there is nothing else, and people eat it up." That's right. How like, do people not get that? You know, and, and you know, Avatar has been a little bit longer, but Leslie. Finally, the date has been revealed. I think it's September 28th. We are getting the IMAX 3D re-release of Avatar. Whoa. So everybody who doesn't remember, you know, the name Jake Sully, Unobtainium, <laughs> who doesn't remember every single moment that happened in Avatar, treat yourself. I'm jealous. <laughs> I, I frankly am jealous. If you truly are someone, if you're someone who truly doesn't remember what happened in Avatar, like everybody claims that they have this mass amnesia over the biggest movie ever made, I'm jealous because you get to re-experience it. In IMAX 3D, um, just about a month from now. Um, I wish I didn't remember. I rewatched it just recently, so of course I know the entire story of Natiri and Jake Sully and the Home Tree uh, <laughs> and everything that happened on Pandora. Um, but yeah, treat yourself. Uh, we got we have the re-release happening ahead of uh, what will probably be the biggest movie of all time uh, this December. Yeah, and that re-release is going to put it oh, well over the top. Oh, it uh, it already is over the top. It's like Avatar. So uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, like beat Avatar, you know, ended up becoming the biggest movie of all time briefly. And James Cameron did a tiny re-release, literally re-released it in like four theaters or something (laughs) and took back the top spot. Avatar is currently still the biggest movie of all time. Um, I'm talking about Avatar 2. I think maybe by the end of this decade, the top movies of all time are going to look like Avatar 2, Avatar, Avatar 3, Avatar 4, Avatar 5, uh, and then, I don't know, maybe Avengers Kang Dynasty, sadly. But getting back to those thrones, House of the Dragon. I Mm -hmm. I feel like we felt a bit differently about this, but Jack, what did you think? Leslie, I am a... And a Song of Ice and Fire book reader. 
I am someone who has read all the books. I've read the tales of Dunk and Egg. You know, the the real deep dive shit. I actually haven't read, you know, Fire and Blood, which is the book that this series is based on. But my understanding, uh, and I, I, I could be wrong about this, is that it's not as direct one-to-one adaptation as Game of Thrones was. Um, uh, but I, that's all to say that I am, you know, dorkily deeply interested in the world of Westeros. And so, Leslie, I did enjoy the first episode of House of the Dragon um, with the caveat and understanding that this is a far less exciting show. This is more like the Tudors or something like this. This actually feels like a (laughs) historical show, like with a lot less exciting stuff. There's no, you know... You know, there's no the queen is doing incest with her brother and pushes a little boy out of a window. This is a boring, dry um, throne succession drama um, set in the like deep history of Westeros and and also uh, uh, all approved by George R.R. Martin in a way that the TV show was not. Um, and so I am on board. I am the the House of the Dragon fan. I think that, you know, there are a lot of things that this show, you know, this is a very different show than Game of Thrones. It's it's frankly, like, less exciting than Game of Thrones. Um, but as someone who, like, does care about the history of Westeros, um, there are things that, like, I think this show kind of does better. I actually feel like... I get a slightly better sense of the geography of King's Landing in a way that I feel like the Benioff and Weiss thrones kind of never, it never felt like a full and real place. Mm. It kind of just felt like a, a, a number of sets. This was like right at the beginning of the show, we get this like, you know, wide aerial shot of King's Landing. And I'm like, oh yeah, the creators of this show have thought about what King's Landing looks like, have thought about what Westeros looks like beyond, you know, the map that we see during the opening credits of the show. Um, And so I am excited for a really dorky, a really far more boring and dry, um, almost like medieval historical version of Game of Thrones, the version that George R. R. Martin would have wanted us to have from the very beginning. Now, listen, would I prefer that they just did Game of Thrones again and had George R. R. Martin oversee it and did like uh, did one that was like 20 seasons long at 20 episodes? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I actually am on board for this story. I like seeing, you know, the all of the various Westerosi houses again. And I kind of, yeah, I I. I I find myself on board for this dry succession drama. What I kept coming to when I was watching the show is like, what is the point? Why am I watching this? I don't care whether Lord Dunthrop of Higglebottom is second in line to the king or whether it's Lady Mercy Grey Lady of what the fuck? Like, who cares? Like, when I watched the original Game of Thrones, right? It was a messy soap opera in, like, a high fantasy setting. And that's cool. You had all your big characters, these big storylines, these big swings. Immediately uh, pushing that child out the window. The early death of Ned Stark. I get it. I get what George is going for, even just watching the show. I get it. I understand it. I understand why it exists. 
this feels like an adaptation of like, you know, something like the Cimmerillion or like a lore book yes. and where it's just like you are dramatizing what is basically a history of mm-hmm. stuff that just happened because it just happened. Like there's no character I really like connected with. I didn't feel any people here. It felt like, you know, a history book like drama dramatization and that's about it. And I can see if you love Game of Thrones and love all of that world, that's going to be enough for you. But for me, it, it did. It, I wish it was something more interesting. I really do. I'll, I'll still watch it. It's not. It didn't seem like an awful show. But like you said, it seems like a two doors. And you know what? I would watch the two doors or at a time or Spartacus or whatever the fuck. So it's not like a low level show or anything like that. I don't have a problem with. It. But it didn't really suck me in. I thought it could have been a lot more interesting because I thought a lot of stuff was beautiful. I thought the armor and the costumes were beautiful, even though they were much less realistic than the Game of Thrones. They were more like Dark Souls inspired. I I will have to I will have to push back just a little bit on that, which is that finally we are getting uh, in a way that Game of Thrones never did, and this always stuck in George R. R. Martin's craw from season one of Game of Thrones. But they're finally wearing helms. They never wore helms in Game of Thrones, like the, the <laughs> head armor. And that's George R. R. Martin, even when the show was airing and at like its highest level of success was being like, where are the helms? And they are finally wearing helms now. That was it. That was it. That was the thing that kind of was that made me feel like, oh, this is a little bit cooler and more video gamey kind of style. All right. I I dig it. I dig it. There's stuff that I like, but then there's also stuff that I feel like is just a problem with Game of Thrones that's exacerbated by it being in like a lesser spinoff show. And that's the dragons. All right. Dragons in most fantasy, they're either these wild creatures who are ravaging the plane and you have to go and you hunt them or that these mystical almost deities that have all this you know deep knowledge or everlasting like the everlasting dragons from a dark souls or smog what have you in game of thrones dragons are horses yeah dragons are horses or maybe or maybe even like dogs (laughs) And it's just very boring to me to see. And the reaction that people would have is like, oh, if there were cute puppies in the show, it's like, oh, that's how they love the dragons. I don't. I don't. I'm I'm kind of bored with them. We did get Viserys, uh, maybe in a bit of foreshadowing, saying like, oh, people seem to think the Targaryens control the dragons, and that's not true. That's like a fiction that we have like put out there, uh, you know, as a form of control. So I do think we might get a little bit of the dragons uh, not being quite as tame as they appear in this first episode. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I hope so. I, I just don't feel that. That's one thing that just really just stuck out of me. It's like, I don't care about the dragons at all. And I don't want to see them anymore. Please show me more. Um, There were a couple of moments in the show where I felt like they were limited by COVID, even though lots of stuff looked beautiful and gorgeous. Yeah. But there were certain things that just didn't quite fit and felt like they came out of a much lesser show, like a Xena, like a, a shortcut that I'm not even Xena. I don't even think like a shortcut, even like a Power Rangers would take. So when they go, when the cops uh, led by um, what Matt Smith, D- Doctor Who, Damon, who's Jack, Damon, who's Jack, by the way, he got swole for this part. Love to Damon see it. Targaryen. Yeah, Damon looking, Targaryen. Just buff. And he's pretty close to what I 
he's pretty close to being a character. So I, I, I mean, won't say this that should... one, that one, he's, he's, uh, I am looking forward to what is going to happen with Damon Targaryen. What is he going to do with this new succession? He's pretty close to being a character, but he leads the charge of the cops to go and get the criminals. And like, they know on site which criminal committed what crime. And it's not like they're going to the dungeon mm-hmm. where all the criminals are gathered. They're not at a seedy bar. It's just like on the streets, right? So it felt like, okay, they just had to shoot. They, they couldn't, they couldn't do a shoot, a shoot at a dungeon or anything. They just had to shoot it on the same street that they shot the daytime scene on. That's one thing that made me think, okay, this, it, even though they spent a lot of money on it, they maybe didn't spend original series Game of Thrones time and money on. That's the one moment that almost it almost felt like maybe well I don't know because it does end up sort of playing into the overall plot of it but that's the one moment that felt a little bit like reshooty like maybe they like had shot the tournament and then they're like but we need some like real deal violence in this like we need <laughs> yeah. some like we need some more violence this is a game of thrones show so we need some more in there uh, Yeah it was, was a- gory and well done but I just yeah. wish it had been like better written even if they had done something like oh they're fucking up like an ethnic quarter or whatever or poor or uh, poor or they're trying to gentrify a neighborhood which is kind of what they're doing but like you shouldn't be but you shouldn't be like knowing oh specifically oh he's a he's a thief she's a like they seem to be very sure about the crimes these people had committed i don't know why they were just wandering the streets (laughs) it almost made it seem reasonable (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. my uh uh yeah the only thing i thought looked kind of cheap was i think that the wigs are are not quite oh, yeah. doing the it for are, me. The, the wigs are a disaster. When, when you started talking about the Xena of it all, I was like, oh, maybe he's going to bring up the wigs. But uh, uh, yeah, I think the wigs are maybe not quite there yet. Maybe they will uh, pick that up over the season. But yeah, I, I ultimately find myself, you said it's like watching, you know, a, a television show of the Silmarillion. And, you know, you kind of say that with a down intonation in your voice. <laughs> I say it's like watching a TV show of the Silmarillion. You know, I'm like, you know, uh, uh, as a, you know, I don't know this, this to me feels like a like yeah, George R. R. Martin Unbound finally getting the version of the show that he wanted. I also like, by the way, first of all, you know, I love at the end of the show, at the end of the credits, we get the George R. R. Martin um, production company logo. I don't think we had that on Game of Thrones. We never had the G R R M at the end of the credits. But I like that George is feeling his oats. He's talking shit about Benioff and Weiss in the interviews <laughs> about this show. That's and fun. yeah, and like, and he's handed off this show to a showrunner. Uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, but that is like a personal friend and like a Song of Ice and Fire super fan. And and again, and, and additionally, you know, as someone, I read all the books that were available, um, you know, up to the point. So basically, all the stuff that happened in Game of Thrones um, that was well written was stuff that I already knew about. So it's kind of exciting to be watching this show and for this to be kind of an untold tale uh in game of thrones because my understanding again i could be wrong about this and i i think i maybe will read fire and blood 
but my understanding is that it is not as you know uh, uh, dramatized. That this is more of a Silmarillion book, you know, that's being that there's being a lot being added to it. Versus Game of Thrones was really, really an adaptation, you know, until they ran out of stuff to adapt and then ran around with like chickens with their head cut off and absolutely fucked up everything. One thing that actually quite disappointed me when I watched the show is the theme song. Uh-huh. It's just the original Game of Thrones theme song. I was very disappointed. I thought uh, we were yes. going to get something new, a real tonal shift, but yeah. they kind of did a Star Trek on us. Yeah. And even though the Game of Thrones theme is good, it's not Star Trek theme reusable, slightly reusably good. The thing, the thing I would say that I really didn't like, and it almost turned me off right from the very beginning, although I was brought right back on board with the, um, the council with Jaharis and his, uh, the, seeing the council deal with the succession of King Jaharis. I'm like, damn, they're really going all the way. But that first, <laughs> that oh, not Jaharis. Oh, I'm no. Like, oh, damn. They're doing like, they're, they're, we're like seeing the Jaharis, uh, succession drama. All righty. Um, but the uh that opening title card that was like 150 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen and then it fades off all the words and just says 150 years before Daenerys I'm like be your own show come on we yes. can be our own it doesn't have to be about and Daenerys wasn't even like the main character of Game of Thrones or anything like that it's kind of weird it's like Daenerys is so you're just kind of saying like Daenerys was the only one that was on that show or books you know yeah, why not Jon Snow or uh, who? who well, ended up Jon Snow's throne? about to get his sequel, apparently. So, you know, who knows? Who knows how many years it is before Jon Snow? Wait, what? For real? Yeah, they, that's been announced. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but apparently Kit Harington pitched a Jon Snow spinoff show that is a King. sequel series. That is a sequel series to Game of Thrones. Takes place after the events of Game of Thrones. And that's... I saw an article that was like, they're pursuing this one. Like, And it is so funny that it was Kit Harington's idea. And George is on board. George, George R. R. Martin was like, it's good. And like, yes, Kit is the one who came to us with the idea. That is... That sounds awesome to me, actually. It's like, yeah, I'm not doing <laughs> any fucking thing else. Why not play Jon Snow again? Yeah. What would you like to see from that sequel series? I would want... I, I, I really want them to drop the prediction, drop all the shit, just make it a fucking Conan the Barbarian. Make it an adventure show. I don't need the politics as much. I don't need the the intrigue, the drama. I just want to see Jon Snow sing, swinging a sword at shit, okay? I mean, yeah, if, if it took place north of the wall and we... And by the way, for one thing I'll say about... Okay, that... Let me let, let me not get ahead of myself here. That is what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a show set basically completely north of the wall, uh, not anything to do with Westeros, just fighting creatures and skeletons like Ray Harryhausen shit is what I'd like <laughs> to see. You know, like just a swashbuckling north of the wall wildling show like we didn't really get to get in Game of Thrones because they kind of fucked up the entire thing to be honest with you <laughs> i would almost like i would almost like the john snow show to be like you know the night the long winter that has been foretold that's not what happened in game of thrones uh and that was just like one incursion and the death of the night king like they need to retcon what happened in game of thrones that's <laughs> what they need to do um 
Because that was going to be my next point here is I did actually like and I've seen some complaints from people, you know, saying it's hard to get into this show knowing what we know happened in Game of Thrones and the overall continuity of it. I would say this. I don't think that's what happens. What we're watching now, weirdly, and this is really weird, and and continuity gets complex this way, <clears throat> and I'm sure that the people at HBO uh, uh, would say differently, but we're watching a prequel series to the A Song of Ice and Fire books, and what happened in the Game of Thrones show is not what is going to happen beat by beat in the A Song of Ice and Fire books. Like, what we saw on the show was the Benioff and Weiss Game of Thrones. What we're seeing on this show is the prequel to the George R. R. Martin, A Song of Ice and Fire. So when they talk about the prophecy of, you know, the Song of Ice and Fire, when they actually, like, talk about it directly, you know, when uh, uh, Viserys tells Rhaenyra about it, they're not talking about the one boring episode that happened where, you know, the White Walkers came to fucking the wall and Arya Stark kills the Night King, because that is actually not what happens. Uh, you'll have to wait to hear, you'll have to wait to see what happens in the Winds of Winter and A Song of Spring to know what actually happens. Um, so I, I kind of do push back on that you know, idea that this is all boring because we know what ends up happening because we don't know what ends up happening. This is a prequel to the book. Jack, that is brilliant. That is something <laughs> they should actually market it that way. In <laughs> fact, it's not a, an unusual thing. This is ha- exactly this sort of thing is split uh, adaptation, multi-adaptation thing has happened before many, many uh, times before. We mentioned Lord of the Rings. Some mm-hmm. uh, some of the video games were based on the books. Some were based on the movies. And they were kept separate and they were different things. This is a complex thing because it is weird that these are both HBO television shows. Yes. <laughs> but I think the real defining thing behind this is the production card at the end. We didn't see that GRRM production card at the end of Game of Thrones, and we do see it here in House of the Dragon. Um, and George is more involved in this one. He was only involved in writing a couple of the episodes um, for the original series, but that was a Benioff and Weiss thing. This one, George has handpicked a showrunner who knows the Song of Ice and Fire universe, and this is way more a prequel to the books. This is a very dorky show so far. It's an extremely dorky, um, and yeah, and it feels a lot more uh, in tune with what's happening in the books. Yeah, even with Game of Thrones, the Telltale game, I think, is tied to the TV show. But there's other games that were just tied to the books explicitly so and it, and not even marketed uh, the same way. Like, yeah, that's a perfect kind of uh, fitting uh, solution for this problem of the Game of Thrones TV series. Kind of, So the Game of Thrones TV series is like when a when a it was like the first people who approached him. Right. Like he's just yeah. some fancy writer. He sells his book off. Like who the fuck cares? It's kind of like what happened with the writer of the Witcher. He sells it to this video game company. Cause he ne- thinks it's never going to make any money. He doesn't fucking care. Right. Turns out it becomes this massive hit. Then you got to go back and redo it for real this time with a better production company. And so I think maybe your pitch 
of the song a song of ice and fire redo which you ha- you've been saying that for years you've been saying oh, I'd that love to see that I, I would years. love to see the version of a of just a song of ice and fire they should just do it and see and a lot of the plot beats would be the same but just fucking do it again who cares and frankly you know honestly just don't even make it a tv show like the books are enough just allow and i am a believer there's a lot of grim and really morbid weird shit that people say online about how george r R. martin is gonna die before he finishes this book these books number one that's really weird to talk about that's like really weird and morbid and it's weird that like even he is aware of everybody talking about this what a fucking mean thing to do to an author who's trying to write his books on his like dos computer in santa fe new mexico um uh, you know let him finish the books um and and you know what else is like you know everybody is like george should finish the books they really like have this attitude about how he needs to finish them quickly we saw what happened when you finish this story quickly and it doesn't go well when you put yourself to a deadline and you're like we're gonna finish it in just three more seasons fuck it like we saw what happened and it doesn't really work um i think that some of those beats that happen in the game of thrones show will happen in the books but they'll be better motivated and they'll make more sense um and so i still look forward to the books being finished um even if it has to be finished by fucking kevin j anderson based on notes from george r R. martin or something like that or you know like the dune books Uh, like i still want to see the version uh, the george r R. martin you know ending to to game of thrones well that was blood of to dr- see i i can't i i thought it would be a poor show just because the name is hard to remember house of the dragon house of it's the dragon even, it's not even called it's not even like game of thrones house of the dragon i thought they would go with but leslie the show is a fucking hit water yeah. coolers are a buzz with this with the tale of viserys and rhaenyra this week 11 million people watch this which is like that is like unbelievable it's it's while a big hit for our for those folks over at Warner Brothers, Jack, it's, it's going down at Warner Brothers. We talked about, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago, but they are just burning and slashing every single thing over there. We've learned that David Zaslav's game plan ultimately is to make Normie, is to, because Normies love Discovery, and that's what they do, they're going to make HBO Max into a Normie thing. Listen, I don't want to be the David Zaslav defender because he is just a, you know, he's just a business guy. He's the the president of Discovery or whatever. But can we be honest that what has been happening on streaming services for the last, like, better part of a decade has been ridiculous and insane? (laughs) That they've been making shows for, I swear to God, the Netflix model is to make shows that have a viewership of around 2,000 people. And, like, (laughs) And act like for some reason spending that much money on a show like that is a win because it's getting like 1,000 people to sign up for a $5 a month service. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm not like the Zaslav defender here, but I do think it's interesting. Everything that they were doing, all these new strategies, all this bullshit, making a million fucking cartoons that are like kind of for adults and kind of for kids that like 2,000 people watch and making a Batgirl movie slash TV show. We don't know what it is. We're going to spend movie money on it, but it's going to look like a CW show. Um, All of that, you know, happened. 
but what is the thing that actually works for them? A Game of Thrones television show. <laughs> what gets them 11 million people watching? A Game of Thrones television show. This is back to basics here. This is a big moment for us because I have literally asked on this show since Game of Thrones ended, what's going to be the next one? We've talked about all those <laughs> Sunday night shows. It turns out we, it's going to be Game of Thrones. Yes. There's nothing else, apparently. And that's kind of a shit. First of all, it makes me wonder, like, that Naomi Watts Game of Thrones pilot that they scrapped. Yeah. How bad would that have had to be? For them to leave that money on the table. I read an interview with George R. R. Martin where he said they won't let him see that pilot. <laughs> they won't let – he was like, they won't let me see it. I don't know why they won't let me. So, like, that bad. That bad. You ask – you ask, people ask, like, how, how bad could Batgirl be that they're going to spend $90 million on it and not finish it? That bad. Is my answer to that. <laughs> that bad. How bad could the the one thousand years before Game of Thrones prequel series, which is that's what that one was. It was supposed to be a thousand years before Game of Thrones. And even George R. R. Martin was like, that's like if you made a Sopranos prequel that was set in like ancient Italy, that was set in like ancient Rome or something. <laughs> which is again, that is the type of show that a streaming service would put out put out at some point, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, they never let him see that show. And yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I do think I feel bad for the people that were duped into thinking that they were making real television shows for these streaming services. I do. I feel bad for the creators. And I do think that there's a scam going on as far as not wanting to pay people residuals and all this kind of stuff. But oh yeah, they're taking stuff off the, they're straight up taking shows off of HBO max so that the people who like people can't get residuals from them like at all. That is wild. There's a, there's a dark new world out there for streaming service. God pirate. My whole weird, my whole thing about all this was like, they rushed headlong out of nowhere into making this HBO max streaming service, AT&T like rushed it out the door, you know, kind of based on the architecture of the existing HBO go. And now there's like four different HBOs. Like it actually makes no sense. There's HBO, the subscription TV channel that people still pay for with their cable and their satellite, the boomers who still have that kind of stuff. Then there's HBO Go, which is like this weird hobbled streaming service that like only has HBO products on it. And then there's HBO Max, where they're like every television show that Warner Brothers ever made or owns the rights to is now an HBO show. And they rush this right out the door before before they got bought by Discovery, like a really weird move. And I don't know. I ultimately think that it maybe will make more sense for HBO Max to die and for everything. Like, honestly, the name Discovery makes more sense to me as a streaming service and has less of like an ID, has like a less of a built-in brand. And you're like spoiling the brand a lot less to just make this streaming service called Discovery and have it have an HBO channel on it. Yeah, when did HBO became become like purple and fuchsia? It used to be black yeah. and white. And it used, it used to, have... to be it's not TV, it's HBO. Now it's Friends is on HBO. Here's a wild idea. Why not call the app, I don't know, Warner Brothers, and then yeah. have HBO on it? 
That's kind of what I think. I'm like, call it WB Max or something like that. But I do feel like HBO Max was rushed out. I know people like it, and I agree that it actually has like a lot of better stuff on it. Uh, but the reason it has better stuff on it is not because it's called HBO Max. It's because it's the Warner Brothers film library, and they have like made some of the best movies over the years as the biggest and most profitable movie studio until AT&T bought them. Um so I don't know. I I am not the David Zaslav fan, but I ultimately think that a lot of like the sort of, you know, screaming about what's happening on HBO Max is more of a reaction to like, do you all understand that all this streaming stuff was like based on Netflix buying up debt and that they were like paying for shows that nobody ever should have paid for? Like the world that we live in has been a loss leader. And at a certain point, they need movies to make money again. Um, and these, these, they can't be making a $300 million Batgirl movie that gets like 4,000 people to sign up for a $5 a month service. You know, like this doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, we need to get back to basics. We need to get back to House of the Dragon pulling 11 million viewers. Amazon says that they're going to get back to basics if their $1 billion Lord of the Rings series is not a huge, massive success. This is calling your shot, Jack. If we can't make it successful, why is Amazon Studios even here? That's a quote well, from one of the bigwigs over there. I would say to make the boys. Just make the yes. boys. Just make <laughs> the boys. Just make the boys and sell it to HBO or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of... Now, Leslie, I am the House of the Dragon fan. I am, you know, ready to watch the most boring Tudors succession drama set in Westeros. I want to watch the George R. R. Martin-approved geography-specific version uh, uh, of House of the Dragon. This Lord of the Rings show... Looks so, so bad to me. I'm not really, I'm not ready to sort of make a prediction over whether or not it'll be a success. Something tells me it might be a success. You know, it is called Lord of the Rings. They're pouring so much money into this show. Uh, but man, this show looks, and I know you're not the, you're not a fan of the Peter Jackson, you know, Lord of the Rings stuff. I am. This show looks so bad to me. They're wearing like t-shirts. They're wearing <laughs> like cardigans on this show. This is not how people dress. And I also understand from, you know, my sources that there's going to be sex on the show. That's not Lord of the Rings. These are children's books. And even the even the Peter Jackson ones like didn't inject like adult themes or sex into them or anything like that. Like I don't know. This show might be a huge success. It might not be. Uh, but I do think one thing is for sure. Uh, it's going to suck. I feel like there's no way it could really be a success because, first of all, they, there's like they've already put out like a show like this on Amazon Prime based on a huge fantasy series. And it looks the fucking same. Like what is going to make you stop, you know, scrolling, you know, for your Amazon wish list and actually log into prime video and watch this. Like, like there's, there's no one like in it. You've already seen Lord of the Rings before, you know, it's a cheaper version of it. 
I don't know. I mean, it is, it is going to be the most expensive show I think probably ever made. Uh, this show is like they bought Lord of the Rings for a quarter of a billion dollars. And by the way, they didn't even buy all of the Lord of the Rings. They bought like the Silmarillion portion of Lord of the Rings. They bought like the first age or something like that. Um, and so they, they have spent about a billion dollars all in all on this show. Um, Godspeed. Who the hell knows? I, I think that maybe the the big barrier to entry here might be exactly what you're saying, Leslie, which is that I'm not sure if the amount of people that they need to watch this show know how to watch things on Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> I think that there, there might be a ceiling of people who are even aware that they can watch video on Amazon. <laughs> and it's like, and then like... Are people really going to be like, all right, 2022, haven't signed up to Amazon Prime ever in my life to get my packages delivered in two days, mm -hmm. but I'm going to do it for this Lord of the Rings TV show. Well, I mean, that's the other really weird thing about Amazon Prime video in general is that people are signed up to this because, number one, because they signed up in 2012 to make their packages come you know quickly and they haven't noticed that the price has gone up like 200 percent since they signed up as far as the yearly cost i i think that there are a lot of people who have prime and they might you know there might be enough people who already have prime you know to to watch this show and get it the ratings that they need to consider a success but if you're just getting people who are already paying for the service to watch something on the service what the hell are we even doing here? <laughs> if you're not moving any new money and it's just like people are clicking over to another tab on the Amazon website, like why did you spend the billion dollars? Except that Jeff Bezos just wants to own Lord of the Rings because he's like, you know, he wants to own space and he wants to own Lord of the Rings because he made a fucking bookseller website that started selling shoes. And now he's the richest man on the planet except for Elon Musk in a fake way. Yes. Well, folks, that was Struggle Session. Have a good one. Peace. Later. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.